0: Welcome to the Pit Stop Podcast. I am Jordan Dollar-Coltman. I am joined by Tyler Walzak. And my God, is it good to be back. We are so excited for the start of the Formula One season. 2023 is here. And Tyler, there's going to be more races. There's going to be more drama. What other like cliches can I throw into this intro here? Other than the fact
1: that we're back, baby. And I don't know about you, but I'm a little bit nervous about the whole thing. I didn't Honestly, this came up very quickly. I think we're two weeks earlier than when it started last year, obviously because of all the new races. Um, but man, like I it felt like it went by quickly this offseason. And then to go back and kind of look at the end of last season and what we have coming up and where the drivers are and everything, you almost kind of forget about, oh yeah, like that's a completely different team now.
0: Totally. We're
1: gonna get we're gonna get to
0: all of this all the news, all of the important stuff, but let's just start off with a welcome and an introduction to the show. So if you are new pit stop podcast as i said my name's jordan i'm joined by tyler the two of us are not experts we are not insiders we have both of us have occasionally you know passed a speed limit or two but we are not professional drivers we have no experience uh working for or in formula one but we are fans and that is the big thing here we are fans of the sport uh, both, admittedly, fans who are continuing to learn and grow uh, as fans in this sport. We have both been fans, I think, for now about three or four years, really dedicated, and we've been doing this show together for two years now. For those who listened uh, over the past couple years, you will notice there is a voice missing. That is Braden, who has retired, as he said on Hattrick. He's finished. He just wants to watch. He's tired of having to have opinions on Formula One. He just wants to watch and enjoy. So we thank Braden uh, for stepping aside and letting the two people who have absolutely nothing better to do than talk about formula one every single week do it uh that's what tyler and i hopefully will do the big thing is if you're listening to this we hope that you are doing so with an open mind and more importantly ready to just have some fun because that's what we're going to do we're going to talk about the races you know the show comes out every tuesday after the race uh we will talk about what we saw what we thought uh i'm sure there'll be some hot takes in there but most importantly, we're just going to be a couple of you know, guys talking about Formula One. And we hope that you as listeners enjoy that and engage with us. We have some fun new things that we're going to try to do to engage our fan base even more. So look out for that. But most importantly, as a as the preamble, as this is our season preview,
1: to preview what this show is. That's really what it is, right, Tyler? It is. I, we, we very much will not get everything right or correct when it comes to the knowledge of the engines or the drag reduction systems and anything that comes with F1. But we can promise you that we will watch every race, we will comment on every race, um, and we will have something to say, and we will learn alongside with you. That's why we're here. Totally.
0: And I think the other thing is we want to create a fun show. That's the biggest thing. We're going to talk about the stuff that we think is interesting and whatever, and if you as listeners... Contribute as we hope you will over the course of the season, then it can be a show that you know is interactive and we're talking about the stuff you want to hear about on your commute on the Tuesday morning or whatever. Why does the show not come out Sunday right after the race? Why does it not come out Monday? Because we live in Vancouver and a lot of people <laughs> don't watch the show or don't watch the, the race at like six or four or five or six in the morning. Like we wait, we watch it. Maybe you PVR, it, maybe there's some football to watch first. Maybe you gotta watch something else, maybe you gotta go walk your dog we don't want to spoil anything so you're going to find the show in your in your podcast feeds tuesday morning it gives you a full 24 hours plus some to consume the race and frankly go consume some other f1 news so when you come to us you're just enjoying this as fans because we're not going to break news that's the big thing
1: yeah and we were i think that day actually we because we talked about this we do talk about these these things um you fans out there we were going to think about going to mondays but we also want to take that monday to kind of also learn and understand what exactly happened during that race read some of the things the drivers were saying some of the teams how they respond the next day after everybody's kind of got a cool head um so it's like we said we are learning as much as everybody else so we kind of need that day to, to figure it all out so that we can come to you with hot takes we can come to you with opinions after we have a little bit more information as well
0: All right, so let's get to it. We've got lots to cover here in our our season preview is what we're calling this episode. Obviously, we wanted to get one out here before the start of the season. uh, In just over a week's time, we will see our very first Formula One Grand Prix of the 2023 season. And it's going to be a long season, Tyler. That's the biggest thing. 23 races, three in America, which is a first and a lot of new and exciting just parts of the whole drama. Lots of new drivers, drivers and new teams, all kinds of stuff. We'll talk about all of that as we get going here. We wanted to start, though, with a little bit of news and just a little bit of a sort of, you know, whether you're listening to this Friday morning or you're listening to this Monday morning is going to make a huge difference in terms of whether or not you've seen or learned about what's going on with testing. But we are right in the middle of testing at the time of recording this Thursday, February 23rd. So we know right now two things for sure. Red Bull is still fast. And the mm-hmm. porpoising, for the most part, is gone. That was the big news coming out of last year's testing is that the new ground effect on the new regulations that was introduced last season had caused a lot of teams to struggle with porpoising. For those just joining us, what is porpoising? Porpoising was when cars were basically bouncing at high speeds because of uh, the contraction and release of air underneath these cars. They're designed to be sucked as tight to the ground as possible to create that ground effect or that that downforce that allows them to, to go through corners quickly and a lot of teams struggle with it no none more so than Mercedes but for the most part right. we've seen the porpoising gone so that's the first big thing from testing there were a couple interesting bodywork problems though we had a dimple appear on the Ferrari do you want to talk about the dimple so
1: <laughs> the dimple kind of took over all of Thursday's news um, along with some other issues that some other cars had but essentially Ferrari at the very front of their nose on the wing. There's a small, almost like someone threw a golf ball at the front of the car. There's just a little tiny dimple and it like blew up. It's the car didn't blow up or anything, but like the news. Yeah, you made that this sound way for, more dramatic. <laughs> yeah. The, the car did not blow up, but the news about this dimple, the everyone trying to understand what the dimple meant or had like some type of like opinion or controversy about what this dimple is, um, Kind of took over. It was like, is this for aerodynamics? Is this for something else? What is the point of this dimple? Turns out it's going to be fixed. It's just, it was a mistake and it's going to be fixed. But it's funny to see, because if you look at pictures over, because I did some stuff this morning, like looking at pictures of last year's races and some studies, so so much of the prep before race is just drivers looking at other drivers' cars. Like You're not allowed to touch another, that's a rule. You're not allowed to touch another driver's car. You cannot touch it. But you will see photos of like Seb or Lewis Hamilton, like staring over hands behind backs, trying to figure out where this car gets an advantage over their car or what type of difference rod here or like bend there is going to help their car um, if they utilize it within their Mercedes or, or whatever. But uh, the dimple was talked about today. Let's say, let's say that.
0: Yeah, it was a big, as you say, it became one of those stories. Because again, the other thing about testing, and if you're new to Formula One, thank you for listening. um, The big thing is that testing is a very tricky thing to consume as an average fan because there's a lot of smoke and mirrors there's a lot of sandbagging there's a lot of teams doing different things it's a little bit like if you were if we were all let in to like every single medical session or every single training session of like an NFL or an NHL or NBA preseason there's so much going on in there that is kind of confusing to the to to the outside eye and not what we expect. We're I think a lot of fans are like oh great they get on the they're going to get out there on the track they're just going to drive as fast as they possibly can and see how fast the car can go. That is the last thing they're worried about right now. They're yeah. looking at aerodynamics, they're looking at how every single new addition to this vehicle functions, all the electronics that are inside of it, all of the different settings within it. They have a couple different sort of technical tools you're going to see if you've been looking at photos or watching some of the testing. So they've got these aero rigs which are these bizarre looking metal rigs basically wire and 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 you know carbon fiber structures that are put in different positions on the car to test how the airflow is moving and you know all of that data is put together and ingested into these computers that these teams will use over the course of the entire season, uh, baselines that they have to set for all of their simulations and all of their race prep, right? So they need to gather as much data about what's working on the cars. And this is the first time these cars have actually been on a track, right? So they've been in wind tunnel uh, in scale model. They've been in a wind tunnel looking at the aerodynamics design of their car, and they've done a lot of simulation in CAD. But the big difference is now the cars are out there And you've put together this package, you've built this plan, you have a concept for how your car is going to function. Now you got to test it. You're going to see how it's going to work. And so they do all these different types of scenarios, you know, light load of fuel, full load of fuel, every different tire compound. They've set up the testing in such a way that we get daytime testing in, in Bahrain, which is hot. And then it moves into the evening. So the temperature drops and we see, and again, Mm -hmm. every team designs and develops their own, testing plan. Right. And they're going to go through all of those things, different drivers, all that kind of stuff. And that's the big thing to look at here. So if you just took the timing charts, you know, you're only getting a piece of the big picture.
1: Yeah. And it's cool that you mentioned the essential, the the chain link fence on the back of the car is exactly what what it actually looks like. One of those grilling baskets you put on your barbecue where you like put a piece of fish in and then you clamp it together and put it on. That's what it looks like. It's just a piece of metal, like a box at the back. So much detail comes from that. Um, I do want to say going back on the dimple, the, so what was noticed during testing was during the high speed portions, the dimple would start to show more. And then as soon as I think it was science car, as soon as it he broke, the dimple would go back to a normal look for the front of the nose. Now, again, it was a mistake and it took everyone's attention, but the, the idea behind that could get a lot of people who are much smarter than, than we are about cars, to start thinking like, Hey, that's actually what if we got an advantage at high speeds, if the car kind of condensed a little bit in and then blew out at the end, like, um, I don't know about you, but I watched the Daytona 500 this past weekend. And now to slow those cars down, there's flaps on the front. So if they do turn around, those flaps come up very much like a plane, um, when you, when you've landed and that slows a lot of things, like slows them down a lot quicker and also prevents them from flipping now mistakes like this dimple or or maybe it wasn't a mistake maybe it was chosen those things oftentimes lead to ideas outside of the box to help some other part of the car um develop within the race to change as the laps go on as the speeds go on so it could be something we talk about in 10 years we're like the dimple this this started from that dimple mistake this little mistake which is super cool to think about
0: totally and a big part of Formula One is obviously like the innovation within the regulation. So we talked a lot last year about the fact we had new regulations, which changed what the cars physically looked like to the layman's eye. You know, we knew the co- they looked different, a lot of the different design elements, but all of those regulations are designed around safety, or around how we're going to ensure that the sport is more balanced or even, and every team, you know, competitively is able to compete. But you're right. The Now the game for the next couple of years, as these regulations sort of settle in, is going to be teams finding those tiny little moments of advantage. Maybe the dimple is part of that. We don't know. They're certainly playing with some lightweight material if under that much stress, it dimpled.
1: 100%. But one
0: of the big things we've seen as liveries and the cars have been rolled out here is a huge conceptual thing that I think a lot of teams, with the exception of maybe two, have really embraced, which is they have recognized that under the new regulations, weight is really critical. And one of the things that, uh, again, like I say, I think, at least eight of our teams have have really taken a risk this year in, in, in trying to l- release some of that weight by reducing the actual paint on their physical car, no more so than Mercedes, which is like three-quarters raw carbon fiber. So if you're yeah. looking at these cars this year and the liveries, you're gonna notice there's a lot of black because the carbon fiber used in these in these F1 cars is black. So when they have stripped the paint away from it, there may be like some, some sponsorship paint on top of it the 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 decals but there's very little of the actual like paint to this and that's fascinating to me to see how much of an advantage it ends up being the two teams that have chosen not to really embrace that red Bull, and ferrari the two teams that had no major disadvantage to weight last year. So it will be interesting to see how some of the other teams gain or, or don't through that. But that's the first really obvious example this year of teams trying to find a little bit of a loophole in the regulations. It was an easy way to cut weight without having to change
1: structural things, which is interesting. Yes, it is. And to go back to testing the, the one thing I'll double down on what you said earlier with porpoising was a big thing last year. It does seem like throughout the year, it got better. But now that all these teams have started with no porpoising issues, the first six races, they're not going to be worried about that. Like it was very evident the first six races that a lot of these teams were trying to get rid of porpoising. That, that issue should be gone. So the Mercedes shouldn't have to do the slowdown. Uh, yeah, What do you guys say?
0: Oh, but just wait. There's one team. <laughs> There's one team. And it's fascinating because it's a team that we would have expected, I think, to have solved this because we didn't see a lot of issues with it. But in day one, at least, of testing, something in the alpha – uh, pardon me, in the Alpine's setup led to a ridiculous amount of porpoising, uh, especially when Esteban Ocon was out there. If you watch some of the dash cam footage from him, his head is bouncing all over the place, and they are definitely going to be working on that in the next two days to see if they can just get that right out of there because they don't want that when it comes to a week from now race time. And as I said, a team that didn't really have that issue last year. So something that they tweaked in the off season for this current iteration of their car has led to a little bit of porpoise getting back in there, but that, was they were de- definitely the anomaly, as you say. Most of these teams, and especially the ones who really struggled last year, obviously, if you really struggled with this last year, I'm sure you spent a heck of a lot more oh, time yeah. making sure this was gone. Mercedes, the last thing they wanted to see was porpoising. And as I said, for the most part, it was gone. There were one or two moments, I think, in some of the high-speed corners where we did see some bumping, but that seemed to be across all the cars. So that's it yeah. wasn't a Mercedes problem or it wasn't a, a porpoising problem specifically. But it would be nice for us to never have to talk about, I mean, other than like, you know, occasionally when we're discussing SeaWorld but porpoising should be gone from Formula 1 they should it would like, it'd be nice spider. to not
1: talk about it yeah it would be nice to not talk about it
0: and we don't really want to talk about SeaWorld who wants to talk about SeaWorld um <laughs> let's jump really quickly further we well, got so much to cover here and obviously we don't want people this is like supposed to be a commute show this is supposed to be the kind of show you can consume in like a good 30 40 minutes but This is our season preview. We know there's going to be lots to it. Let's get to the next element on our rundown here, though. We want to talk quickly about the liveries. I already kind of teased about the fact that a lot of them have a lot of black in them. Just for fun, Tyler, do you want to give me like your your top three liveries of what you've seen? Because a lot of people, when they get the car reveals, they're not so worried about the technical details. You know, some of us kind of get into that and nerd out a little bit. But for a lot of people, they just want to know, does does the car look good? Does it look nice? Do we like how it looks? And obviously on our Instagram, we posted as they were released all of the car liveries just because, you know, it's kind of fun to see them you have any favorites?
1: Um, I have, okay. So the, my favorite would probably be the Alfa Romeo. It's very much gone the way of um, Ferrari where it's red and black, almost in the opposite where the front half is black, the back half is red, and then they have a little bit of the, uh, the Italian flag on their um, rear wing. That one probably is my favorite. Now, again, for you listeners, if you don't, if you haven't listened to us before and you're interested in getting in, the first thing you will know about me is that I am a Pierre Gasly fan. So I will be rocking with Alpine this year. I will talk a little bit about them more. So in the light, instead of the bad things they do, um, they are going to be rocking a livery for three races. That is the best. It is the best one. It is very, very cool. It's all pink. Um, Can we just talk about the Williams for a second?
0: The Williams is in my top three and here's why it has to win for like sponsorship integration their, their principal sponsor, their, their primary sponsor is Duracell, right? The battery company. If you look at their car, the top air intake that sits right above the back of the driver's head on all these cars, it's the, the big open hole there. They've yeah. designed delivery to look like a Duracell battery. And for me, I think that thing is dope. I think that's Super the best wicked. integration of an, of, of like, okay. So in contrast, the worst for me is when you go to the McLaren and they have the Chrome, the Google Chrome logo oh. on their tire covers or their wheel covers. And so they're spinning. You can't even see the logo anyway. It's just the blur of color at stationary, which unfortunately the McLarens are often stationary, but the McLaren uh, wheel cap, it's like, that's not a great integration for that. Like, okay, it's cool stationary, but uh, the car's moving. Anyway, the Duracell for me for wins for sure. Top three liveries. Um.
1: Okay, well, can I say one thing about what yeah, I hate go. about one of yeah, these yeah, livers? Of course, of course. Um Alpha Tori. Now, last year and the last few years because of Gasly, I was an Alpha Tori guy. I'm also a very big fan of blue and everything that's kind of in a shade of blue. Why you would add the red to the Alpha Tori is beyond me. Um it's I don't understand it. Like it's on the wheel well now. It's on the um uh it's on the rear wing and it's one other place I can't remember. It's on the halo. So yeah, it's on the halo. It's It it just overtakes the really cool, slick, just two-tone blue and white that AlphaTauri's always rocked with. Yeah. Um, so that the, was very disappointing this one, to see. That's that.
0: definitely an example. So again, our former colleague Braden had one major criticism for a long time of Ferrari's liveries, which was that when they had the, the mission win now emblem on their car, which was bright green. You had that beautiful red Ferrari with this nasty green logo on yeah. the side of it. And this is the same thing. So this is Orl or or Orl Orlin. I can never pronounce the name. It's an oil company. It's the chief sponsor. Orlin? Yeah, or, Orlin. 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 Thank you. That's why there's this red in this car. And it looks
1: dumb. I completely it does. agree with you. It's I, I just agree. I at some point you just have to say no, like we're not yeah,
0: especially considering the, the Alpha Tori has gone so hard into the like gray, silver, white, blue of their clothing brand, as opposed to the Red Bull or the Toro Rosso look, which was basically Red Bull light for a long yeah. time. So no, I agree. But anyway, so you're so let's go through your top three. You had Alpha Romeo, was that number one for you?
1: Alpha Romeo is one. Uh I would say Haas with like it's almost all black with just like a streak of white over the top, very yep. slick. Um, and then you know what I do? I do like the Williams as well. Like that. It just, it's a nice, it, okay. car. It's a right nice it. looking. Car. It's blue. You like the blue. It's blue. It's blue. Okay. It's blue. Now I do have like, tell me your three. And then I got a question for you about sure. uh, something. else. So,
0: happening. okay. So, uh, I, I think I'm a, I also have Williams in my top three. I'm going to put it at number three. I'm a big fan of the, the sort of three-tone blue. I love that Duracell on the top. I think it looks really slick. I think Williams branding just overall as a brand right now looks really, really nice. Um, you know This is kind of crazy. I'm going to say Aston Martin. I really like, and now I didn't necessarily like it as much at launch, but when I watched it during testing, it's one of the like, there's sort of two different, Aesthetics that exist right now in these liveries. You have matte and you have shine, right? Mm-hmm. You've got these, the two different types of paint, but nobody is as shiny as this Aston Martin. That thing looks chromed. Like it is so, it just glistens and it looks really, really nice. I love the green. I'm glad that they got away from the pink, which was like a remnant left over from when they were racing point and they were still kind of holding on to that pink and blue livery, even though they'd moved to being Aston Martin. This car for me feels very aston martin my only criticism of it is that the secondary green color the kind of neon green does make them look a little bit like a perrier bottle yeah but i do love the way that that thing hits light i think it looks really good and then come on you've admitted who you're a homer for we all know i'm a homer for mercedes this thing is sick the black on black for me will always look amazing it it it's it's they have struggled They struggled last year in the silver. And I think that this just psychologically, they wanted to go back to the last thing that worked. Being back in black is perfect for me. I think they look awesome. And as far as, as long as Lewis Hamilton is driving in that car, the reason they went black in the first place, they've been the silver arrows forever. And there's an interesting story about that. I want to say in a second, but when they went black, they did so because of BLM and the, the black lives matter movement during COVID when as a brand and as the only team with a black or of color driver in all of, you know, Formula One, any level of formula driving in Europe. Lewis Hamilton is so uh, important to this sport in terms of being literally almost the only person of diversity, you know, in in the sport. Mm -hmm. He, It was important for him that the team made a statement. And the fact that the team embraced that to the point of literally changing the color of their car, I thought was really, really cool. They won twice back to back with it until Lewis obviously didn't win. He should have won. We don't have to litigate this again. But the point is, they went back to what was working, and I love that. I think that that was really nice, and I think it looks good. I also am really fascinated to see if it works. This this lack of paint on the side, if this pays off, man, it's a stroke of genius.
1: Now I'm the only thing I'm wondering, and again, like this is our novice educated version and questions of Formula One and all of basically racing is, I know that when these guys are put in black suits they overheat in the car and they complain that they're wearing dark colored suits. So do they have to take more into account on the cooling system? If all their car, if the car is fully black, are they that much a lighter- darker than
0: Red Bull? Are they that much darker than the Navy blue of Red Bull right now? Are they that much darker than the Navy blue of Williams? You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it's as big an issue as I think it used to be. Mm-hmm. I don't think that uh any of these really make a difference you see them wearing those like full body ice bags when they get into some of these races i think that's just the reality of it i don't think the red the, the black is a problem and i also honestly i think if it was that big a problem i think the drivers would have said something i think they would have done something about it they could have gone in like that weird teal color or they could have gone in silver or they could have gone in something else as well like last year they wore the black suits even in the silver cars right which was kind of different yeah so i think i don't think it's as big a thing as as we might make it out to be from the outside. I wanted to say, because I mentioned it off the top, the history of the Silver Arrows. Again, if you're new to Formula One, and thank you for listening, if you are. But Mm -hmm. it's interesting because the Mercedes are nicknamed the Silver Arrows because for most of their history, they've driven silver cars. And it's interesting because I was just learning this, again, as a fan, not someone who knew a lot about the history of this. But recently, um, I learned that the history, the origin of the Silver Arrows actually has a very weird parallel to what's going on right now. Mercedes race cars recognized that they could save weight by stripping off the paint on their cars. So they stripped it down to the aluminum, which was silver and they became one of the only race teams to race basically a naked livery. And so they had the silver cars because the silver was the color of the aluminum, you know, chassis. Um, So they did kind of the same thing we're seeing now where they're stripping it down to the carbon fiber. That's how they got the nickname, the silver arrows. Um, And now I guess they will be the black arrows. I'm not sure. But anyway, the point is it's interesting that history repeats itself.
1: That's the kind of thing that like, they're so into detail about the weight of the paint, like changing the the car that you've got to think that also the, the darkness of the car and the heat to that degree would have some type of thing. So it's interesting to see like what really drastically changes it to a 10th of a second or a hundredth of a second when they're always constantly thinking about that stuff, I'd like to hear one of them talk about the the liveries and how they choose the colors other than, or, or considering the heat involved with it.
0: Yeah, no, that's definitely a good question. And we'll see if, uh, see if we get some answers on it this season because most of these teams as i said have stripped some part of their livery down to the to the rock carbon. all right let's get to our rundown of the teams and new drivers so we're going to try to do this relatively quickly because there are 10 of them there are 20 drivers there's lots to talk about but we have all season to do that so this is a season preview we're really going to just rip through these teams talk about what we know what we don't know and more importantly uh who's driving for each of them and just sort of the storylines to them let's start i've lined these up tyler in in sort of placement order from last year's Constructors title. So let's work from the bottom because that's how they're going to be lined up on the pit, obviously. So let's line that up from the bottom. Let's talk through each of these teams really, really quickly. Just talk about our expectations and what we know. So Williams, we talked a little bit already about the car itself. Um, The big difference between last year and this year is the driver lineup. So we have a brand new driver joining Formula One, and this is a really important driver from a marketing standpoint for Formula One. Do you want to introduce us to the driver lineup for Williams?
1: Williams has a returning second year with Alex Albon, um, who will be their driver A, if you want to keep track of that. And then their new American, um, which is massive, considering there's three races in America this year, Logan Sargent will be sitting in the car B for Williams. But I think that the biggest difference with this Williams team is going to be their team principal. They lost Jose Capito, um, and they brought in Mercedes James Vowles um who does a lot of the strategy who did a lot of the strategy decisions and mid-race radio calls in Mercedes so he will have the big job up at Williams um which is a huge step for them that's a great that's a great addition to that Williams team
0: yeah it's really interesting um you know obviously on your other show running down the clock talking about football coaching is a huge thing in football yeah. right it's all about leadership it's all about strategy and a lot of that comes down to coaching offensive defensive coordinators all that kind of stuff formula 1 a lot of it is about the overall team strategy and there's a lot of people that go into that whole thing what's interesting about this hire which i the reason i draw the parallel to football this was a very late off season hire right mm-hmm. this was not somebody who was hired right at the beginning this was not someone who was appointed from within and had the entire off season to make the plans for what this team was going to be he jumped in here from mercedes at the literally the the 11th hour i think he joined in late january late early uh earlier late january which is late considering how these teams off-season development plan has gone so the car was basic the concept of the car would have all been sort of buttoned up and sealed that we moving forward with all of that kind of stuff. So it will be interesting over the course of the year to see how his fingerprints end up on this team and Mm -hmm. what, if any improvements he can make this year. I think next year is really the first time we're really going to see his version of Williams, but obviously, you know, he's the head guy now. So he'll start to call the shots and he has been, you know, tutored by arguably one of the two best principles we've seen in the sport in the last two decades in total wolf. So it'll be really nice to see, uh, you know, again, going back to that football metaphor, you know, you've got the coaching trees. This is now like the branching out of the total yeah. wolf tree
1: and to see what sort of his protege can do here. Williams. I love that part of the story. You're right. And I mean, the stakes are low for him too. Like Williams last place last year, the all they got to do is they're they're looking for 10 to eight. Yeah, like Do you think that they focus
0: their energy obviously on developing uh, they're obviously going to be developing their car moving forward they've probably got like a three or four year plan in terms of how they're trying to build forward but do they also do we also see a team that puts a lot of effort into making sure the upgrade packages and things that they are going to do this season are focused around those three American races are they really banking on because they have Logan Sargent there trying to make an impression in those races and get the most bang for their buck with their sponsors there do you think no
1: no I think that when it comes to Logan Sargent, is it is actually just to get more of an American market, and he's a good driver. Let's not let, don't put those words in my mouth if you're trying like pick and choose what I say. But he is he deserves to be in the seat. He's a great driver. But the fact that he is American is going to do big things for the sport in the United States. Um, I don't think that they're going to adjust the car for his liking for three races out of twenty four. Um, especially when you have Albon in there, who is is this a three-year veteran now when he, yeah three or four years yeah at Red Bull and then um Williams and now Williams again yeah. so they will go by what he says because he's been in the car the longest um so he'll kind of have the driving force behind what needs to be changed um obviously each driver gets to control their car to a little bit but you do these teams do tend to lean on one guy more than the other when it comes to big changes and upgrades
0: Okay, let's jump ahead to the next team up the pit lane. We have Haas. This is the American team, ironically. uh, And a team, again, that we have seen sort of really on a roller coaster. It was only four or five years ago that they were competing mid-table. And then they have just absolutely bottomed out at the bottom of this. They've struggled to figure out how to turn it around they have decided that after three difficult seasons with different types of drivers, specifically two rookies that then became two sophomores that then became one driver who wasn't there because his father was associated with the terrorist state of Russia. uh, We end up with Magnussen returning last season. So we had this weird sort of pairing of Magnussen and Schumacher. And now we have the return of Nico Hulkenberg, who is in many ways, another one of those sort of Ricardo esque fan favorites for you know, personality-wise, uh, a guy who has drawn a lot of uh, fans to to his support. He's a big personality. He and Magnuson will be an interesting combination. I'm not trying to step on your toes by saying everything about
1: Haas, but
0: what should, what I'll else should we expect? It. What what should we expect in the American team? Do you think
1: the same? I think you expect the same. Also, Magnuson and Hulkenberg don't really like each other, so let's let's say that because it's going to come up with a couple of these teams that you have to get along with a guy that is trying to beat you every day whether it's practice qualifying or in the race like they are trying to beat you let's not get that twisted but these two guys have a history of not liking each other and now they're in the same garage for a year at least one year the big thing with Haas for me is their racing director i am not a big fan of and i think Gun- that
0: gunther steiner
1: gunther steiner um sorry yeah gunther steiner for the the new fans yeah. um If you watch Drive to Survive, he doesn't come across as a likable guy. Now, let's also, while I say that, let's say that Drive to Survive is a drama reality show. So they do put their own storylines in there just to come up with episodes. But his radio calls, the way he acts, I don't think it's conducive to a good working environment, especially when egos are a very big thing in Formula One and all sports. And you have to let these drivers drive at some point. You have to trust them to do it. If you just keep yelling at them like they're your children, it's not gonna. Work. Things aren't going to go well for you a majority of the time. Uh, we've seen that in a lot of sports. So Steiner kind of has to change his motif if he wants to change the outcome of this Haas car.
0: Yeah, I think that's about right. Uh, let's leave Haas there. Let's jump to Alpha Romeo, another team that really took a step back midway through last year. They actually started the year pretty. Not promising, but they they had a good start, let's call it. And we were excited to see some of the stuff that um, a, a very experienced driver like Bottas brought to that team. We have the same driver lineup as last year, Bottas and Zhao. So they have some continuity there, but now they're missing their team principal because obviously there's a big change there. Fred Vassar moving to Ferrari. So I guess the question here with Alfa Romeo is, do you think Alfa Romeo is still in the figuring out these regulation stage? Or do you think they will take a step forward this year too?
1: I think they're less less in the figuring out stage and more we need um, results now. But I think they've kind of tempered their expectations with the car. So that being said, like instead of trying to compete for six, five, six, they will understand that they are more of a seventh ranked team um, and kind of just play there and just bolt is on his way out, is on his way up. And this kind of work, help them help each other throughout the rest of their careers.
0: Now, obviously, also, interesting news in the offseason about Alfa Romeo, which is, for, again, for those new to the sport, that is the moniker attached to this team, but they are really Salba That is the name of this organization, and they have been Salba, uh for well on 30, 40 years now, but Sauba has made a partnership with Audi moving into 2026, they will become Audi. So the Alfa Romeo brand will be dropped and they will move to Audi. So it's also interesting looking forward as several of these teams now have sort of plans laid out for when we get the new power unit regulations that will come in in 2026. Um, And it'll be interesting to see there. So that's why I ask about sort of where do you think they are in their development, or is this sort of a, they're just going to do the best they can with what they they have
1: until they're ready to kind of move into their next phase. Which is exactly what they were doing last year but I think I last year was weird. Yeah. Yeah. With brain and Botas, I think their expectations got a little bit higher. Yeah. Whereas now it's kind of like, let's just make sure that we put a competitive car out there each time and like competitive in terms of that bottom, bottom 10. Yeah. Um, bottom, bottom seven, really. Um, It's just, that's what you have. To, I mean, that's what we talk about all the time with formula one is you have to manage your expectations and then beat just the team in front of you at that moment. Because you're well, not going to, nobody's competing for, yeah. not everyone's competing for first to fifth.
0: Let's jump to the next team ahead of them. It's interesting. If you look at this list, they're all, the, all four of the teams that start with A are all lined up here. We got Aston yeah. Martin.
1: So I already te-
0: teased a little bit about how I like their livery. The big question is what we should expect from Aston
1: Martin. Big driver change here. Big driver change. Sebastian Vettel is out. He's retired. We all wish him well. And I bet you he's out there right now, kind of missing that moment where you get started up for the season. So um,
0: I just want to say one thing because we're not going to talk on this show right now about Driver Survive because you're going to watch it when it comes out here, which yeah. is about the same time this show is coming out. But I'm going to say one thing because this was already leaked and it's sad. This has nothing to do with what's there. This is not a spoiler other than the fact that if you were going into the show expecting them to do a beautiful tribute to the end of Sebastian Vettel's career, you were going to be sadly mistaken. Apparently, he and Netflix had a little bit of a – I don't know, tete tete issue uh, near the end of the season. He wasn't happy with certain things the way Netflix had dealt with in the past and chose to not uh, give them access to his last days in Formula One. So apparently there is very little, if any coverage of the end of Vettel's career, which is frankly sad because it does show you how the yeah. show is not a true reflection of what Formula One really is about. Sebastian Vettel, an absolute legend first ballot hall of famer up there in the top echelon of greatest drivers of all time, four time repeat champion. I mean, Sebastian Vettel is Sebastian Vettel.
1: Yeah. And you know what? The guy they brought in to replace him, he ain't no slouch either. That's right. Um, so we are gonna this year with Aston Martin, we're gonna have Lance Stroll and we're gonna have Fernando Alonso coming over from Alpine um in kind of a dramatic way, really. And it's kind of caught everybody off guard. It it actually caused a lot of the transfer within the rest of the teams. But I mean, he he is every bit as good a driver. Um, right now, as 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 Sebastian Vettel was, and also very 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 highly respected in Formula One. The thing is, he <laughs> has problems with his teammates, as they all do, and I don't think he's going to like Lance Stroll as much as he didn't like Ocon. Yeah, in I terms mean, of their driving skills and what they do and how he's they... old
0: enough to be his dad.
1: Yeah, and Stroll's not the he's. Listen, he said last week, Lance Stroll is a future F one champion but i guarantee that Did was he with say a that gun to or, his head yeah
0: exactly exactly yeah, that's daddy daddy stroll was
1: definitely uh pressuring that one one hundred percent so we'll, the true colors will come out in race four race five.
0: Well, here's the big thing. And there is a storyline here with Aston Martin. We have an injured Lance Stroll. So yes. we did not see Lance Stroll. We will not see Lance Stroll during testing. We may not see him next week either. The report coming out right now is he may have one or two broken wrists. And that is a huge injury for a driver because there's all of that torque on that steering wheel. And there's a lot of uh, rehab that goes into a wrist injury. So it'll be interesting to see. Now, the, Aston Martin is still putting out the the suggestion that he will be ready for Bahrain uh, the first weekend of March. I'm going to say right now, here's my hot take. I don't think we see Lance Stroll for a couple of weeks because I'm sorry, a wrist injury, even minor is going to be detrimental to him driving that car safely. I think we might see Drogovic, who we have seen. He's the formula two champion. He drove today or uh, Thursday yes. for uh, Aston Martin in testing. Of course he was out there for nine seconds before the car had an electrical issue and broke down, which is yeah. not how he was hoping his formula one <laughs> career would start. I'm sure uh, had to crawl out of it under a red flag, but uh, we may see him drive next week. He may get his actual debut at Bahrain because I'm not sure Lance Stroll's going to be good to go.
1: You could, yeah, like you said, you could see Dragovic in that car for maybe two months.
0: Well, but that's the big question is, does Aston Martin go with him long-term or do they try to find a more established driver somewhere? Uh, one of the other guys who may have lost a seat or who is still available from other teams, if it is a long-term thing. Now, Drogovic is kind of one of those next best ready-to-go guys. He's eligible for the super license. He's kind of ready to go. But it'll be interesting to see, right? We have seen this in a couple of years through COVID where we've had like a one-off driver jump in. And we're going to talk about Nick DeVries in a second. He had a great debut last year. But I think it's Drogovic's time. And you're right. We you might see him for a while.
1: And also, it's one of those things where in sports, you have to think about the repercussions of bringing in a guy that is a veteran. Because what if he succeeds at a very high level?
0: But what if the rookie does? would what I mean. even worse for Lance Stroll if Drogovic oh. comes in and he's better? Like you got a young guy who's chomping at the bit to just get into the sport. He's got his one chance. He may not blow it. He might get up there and be ready to go and, and push that Aston Martin up and compete with his teammate. Like that is the worst case scenario for stroll. It's one thing. If you have an old guy, who, like, I don't know, I, I'm not saying Ricardo's going to do that. Cause he's now driving a Red Bull, but a guy like that who comes in there and all of it, like what Nico Hulkenberg was doing last year, which he was basically, he was the ringer for hire. He drove for, I think for two different teams during COVID last year. Like that's the worst thing is when you have a young guy, because then it's all the potential in the world.
1: Well, the, the, and I can tell you, the one guy who's not worried about that is Lance Stroll true because it's his dad who owns the thing, but any other driver, you're hundred percent. Right. That's with true. that with that take. Well, we wish
0: our, our Canadian and our only Canadian driver, all the best in his recovery. Cause God knows he's going to need both wrists to be able to compete at any level at formula one, uh, healthy or not. So we'll how did he As- break them? Uh, cycling. That's dumb. Interestingly, the same scenario occurred for Alonso last offseason. He also was in a cycling incident, not as severe, but he also fell off his bike. Uh, so I'm maybe thinking maybe Formula One drivers should find a different way to train in the offseason. I mean, yeah, they like you, speed. Don't hear, you don't hear a lot of jogging injuries. You know what I mean? No, not, at least not serious ones. Cycling is a bit more risky.
1: They got these um, things that you can put inside your house now that simulates a bicycle.
0: Oh, yeah. You What's go, that called? Go
1: outside. The Peloton? The Peloton. Yeah, you just you get one yeah. of those. You don't need to be yeah, outside. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they These do guys got huge mansions. There's in the backyard.
0: That's true. All right. Let's jump to Alpha Tori. So Alpha Tori has lost a driver. They've gained a driver and it's an interesting uh, sort of new dawn there. Um, you want to you want to tell us about what you think Alpha Tori, uh, situation is with the drivers that they've got lined up here? Uh,
1: it is exciting and grim at the same time. So they've lost Pierre Gasly, who I, again, I am a fan of Pierre Gasly, so I will never say anything bad about him. I actually think he's a great driver. Um, he did not have a great season, but they brought in, they're going to go with Yuki Tsunoda again, who, as bad as a season Pierre Gasly had last year, Tsunoda's was worse. Yeah. And, but the high, that's the grim. The highlight is they're bringing in a Formula E champion in Nick DeVries um, who can drive this car, who they are going to, really rely on this year as much as they're going to try to pump Tsunoda up because he is in everyone's mind a their A driver uh in quotations but Nick DeVries has less stress behind him less um expectations than Tsunoda does so Look, he's, it could be he's no
0: slouch drive. this is a guy who Those... got points in his formula one debut last year he has spent a long time waiting in the wings for his opportunity to take center stage he has been uh the reserve driver at mercedes for about four years now he is as you mentioned a formula e champion he's also a formula two champion this guy wherever he has driven he has won he is going to be a very uh i think exciting formula one driver he is definitely not I mean, the guy's 28. He's not a, he's not a young buck. This is a guy who has waited his turn, but he is ready to go. And he's not, I I honestly don't think he will blow this opportunity. I think he will come in here, drive incredibly competently. Obviously he's stepping into an inferior vehicle, but Mm -hmm. a mid table team, right? This is a team literally dead smack in the middle of the standings last year, a chance to improve on that. as you said, uh, the first thing any of these mid table teams does is focus on the team right ahead of them. And yes. that's what he's going to do. Alphatori is going to be looking to take steps forward. I think he is good for them. He has to, he has to just be better than what Gasly was for them last year, which wasn't great. And yeah. he, and that, and just in and of that, that will be an improvement. He will push yeah. Yuki. I think that's good. It's an interesting combination uh, to have the two of them there, but I like it. And I think that he, he has a future uh, to, of continuing to get better. It, it's interesting he ends up in the AlphaTauri because I think there were probably better opportunities for him at some other teams. But when that door opened, he jumped and he took the opportunity. And that's all it takes, right? You may, you get a couple good years at a team like this, and you could find yourself replacing you know, a Lewis Hamilton and a Mercedes, a team exactly, you have a relationship yeah. with, or you could pl- find yourself replacing someone at like a McLaren or something. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But I have high hopes for Nick DeVries. I'm not sure I have high hopes as much for his team, but we'll see.
1: I agree with that statement wholeheartedly. All
0: right, let's jump ahead again. We're trying to move as quickly as we can. There's obviously so much to cover. We can't cover it all. Let's talk about your new favorite team, Alpine. So you already said it off the top. Gasly has joined the French team. We have a full French connection, Ocon and Gasly. Now, you also mentioned during Haas's time on our conversation here that uh, two drivers, not great uh,
1: admirers of each other. Yes. I think the same could be said of Ocon and Gasly. These guys have history, if you will. So this is the same story you hear in a lot of movies. These guys were friends growing up. They got into an altercation disagreement towards the the youth movement of their careers. Um, and now they straight up hate each other. They do not get along. Um, and there was lots of talk about this when Gasly and Alpine decided to work together and how he's gonna work with their con. Um It's going to be interesting. It could go two ways. They could hate each other, not talk to each other. And then that information passing along teammates just won't happen. Or they can reconnect that, let's say, flame as it was when they were kids and really start working together. Now, all of that is going to be determined by the racing director and how much he wants Ocon to be that A driver. Because right now, if you're looking at it, Ocon, this is an Ocon team. Um, because he's been there the longest, yeah,
0: of course, yeah. but and, and has driven well for them. He, had, well, he has yes. had moments, he's won a race for them, and he's had moments of good success with this team,
1: yeah. And this team's highs could be very, very high, and their lows can be very low, depending on the two of these guys. And not if they get along, nobody cares about if they get along, but how they race beside each other is all that matters with this team, yep. and that is. They could have the best car out there. They could have the worst car out there. The first three races is going to be watching the two of them together and listening to the race director in situations where let this guy pass or don't let this guy pass.
0: And I'm telling you right now, the French Grand Prix, very exciting this year. Like this is yes. going to be a whole new level Uh when we get out there to Paul Ricard and we have a full French team, full French lineup, I think it's going to be really exciting. I'm I'm, I'm very much looking forward to what that's going to look
1: like. Yeah. French car, two French drivers. It is going to be a big weekend, um, at the French Grand Prix.
0: All right. Let's jump to our top four from last year. We have McLaren. Uh, now McLaren also has a driver change, uh, because daniel ricardo has stepped aside uh i shouldn't really say stepped aside so much has been paid did he step off. aside or did he, he was paid just, off yeah. to leave he was basically yeah. told uh, we don't want you but we'll pay you a significant amount of money to basically go away uh and he did yeah. so he ran home to red bull the team that he started his career with and happily accepted their reserve driver spot who took his spot and what do we expect from mclaren
1: well the other driver that took daniel ricardo who's from australia Spot is another Australian, Oscar Piastri. And this is a kid that has been talked about for a long time. You have your athletes come up that are so-called um, phenoms. Um, Piastri is one of them. And they have big expectations for him. They have big expectations for this lineup. Whether the car, because let's not like Piastri is a huge name in the youth movement of F1, but so is Lando Norris. Lando Norris is the guy that is one step away from that tier one tier one a in formula one so their driver lineup is stellar and it might take some growing pains from piastri but whether they have the car is really the issue the driver lineup is going to be fine even with ricardo gone i think it's better with ricardo gone i think ricardo was on his way out for a while now um let's give the kid a chance let's see what he can do but more importantly what can the car do what yeah it's not going to be what piastri can do with the cars what can the car do for piastri
0: well, it's interesting because McLaren last year, obviously underperformed, I think their own expectations. They wanted to be challenging for third and they never really got close to where Mercedes was even with Mercedes struggles, but they were very consistent. We had Norris finishing, I think the second most races in the top five behind George Russell and was very out, sorry, outside of obviously the Red Bulls and the Ferraris, I should say. Um, but. Norris was very good in in a subpar car. I think it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if Mer- if the McLaren has taken a step forward developmentally. I'm worried a little bit about that based on what we saw day one of testing, where they literally were the fewest laps completed because parts of their car were physically falling apart. Yeah, uh, and they had to be duct taped together. Not a great sign on day one, but we'll see if they can get their shit together. Uh, but yeah, Mer- McLaren is another one of those sort of underachieving classic teams that has. They're Where Ferrari was four years ago is what it feels yeah. like. They are kind of in development hell, and they're waiting to figure out when the next regulation or the next rule change or the next like piece of the puzzle will fall into place for them, and they'll take that step. Is it this year? Maybe. I'm not sure it is, but I agree with you in the fact that they have definitely set themselves up with an incredibly competitive driver lineup. When the opportunities are there, I think these two young guys will be ready for those moments. The question is, yeah. can they get themselves there? Exactly. All right, let's talk about our top three. And they are the same top three we have had for the last two years, basically, but a slight reorganizing, obviously. Mercedes took a huge tumble from their top of the podium uh, for eight years straight. They were constructors' champions, a dominant, dominant run, one of the most dominant runs from a team in. Formula One history, and then coming off of just the absolute travesty of Abu Dhabi 2020, Mercedes really struggled to get the new regulations to work for them last year. We talked about it off the top: a lot of porpoising issues, a lot of drag problems. They had some fundamental flaws with the floor of their car that were things they could not change mid-season. And even still, the team found ways to gain pace, and by the end of the year, were competitive. Uh, they won a race; George Russell won them. There was their single win, but they also were in the hunt. Uh, throughout the last four or five races, and it was exciting to see um, Mercedes get back to you know a competitive place. We wanted a three-ray race all season or you know title race all season last year. We really only got it at the very end and even by that point they almost caught Ferrari, which is impressive. George Russell definitely, I think was the most consistent driver uh, for outside those top two teams, and I think that that's what we'll expect here. But do you want to tell me what your thoughts are on Mercedes before I give you the home the Homer uh,
1: take? I I think your homer takes is going to be on point. Like, watch out for Mercedes. They they don't they're not ones that just stayed down. Like, okay, we're still top three. They're not thinking in their head. We're still top three. They are saying we have to get back up to one. How do we get back up to one? They have the drivers. Hamilton is the greatest of all time, arguably. Um, and then the George Russell is the next come up to be Mercedes star of the next ten years. Now the only thing is they lost James Vowles, their their chief strategist, but they have Total Wolf, so that's let's say that's a wash doesn't matter. Someone else will step in and do fine Um, to help. Like as long as the car is more figured out this year than it was the first seven races of last year, then we're, they're jumping back into a top two spot.
0: Yeah. The big thing for Mercedes, as you say, is going to be to try to get out to a better start than they did last year. They've already made clear that they expect to have sort of their first round of upgrades in about race four. Um, So they will be starting the season, what they're considering, you know, less than fully developed. They have a couple of things that just weren't ready to start the year with, but even still, as is always the case, you know, we saw the cars out there and testing. There's a lot of changes to this Mercedes. A lot of people were Mm -hmm. like, Oh, wow. They, they, They stick with the zero side pod. They stuck with a lot of the things that weren't working last year. No, I think they stuck with the things they knew worked and they got to work on the things that didn't work. Uh, I think they are still fully committed to the zero side pod concept. If they thought it was a real problem, they would have addressed it. The interesting thing with this car, I don't know if you've seen it, Tyler, is that it looks a lot like a... The, the way to describe it is, it's like it's like a dog. You know when a dog's like got its like haunches up, like it's got its rear legs sort of like ready to pounce. That's what this car looks like. Yeah. It's got these very bulbous and very strange, uh, sort of strange bodywork right behind the driver. So it almost looks like the drivers are in there with like their shoulders up by their ears. Like it's a very odd looking car in some ways, um, and yet obviously they think they can extract better performance out of it. They have really done. As you said, this is not a team that's going to take this lying down. They were embarrassed and frustrated last year. When you have a a once-in-a-generation driver like Lewis trying to, you know, become the greatest of all time wins-wise, and you absolutely fumble the ball the way they did as a team, this sport is so fascinating in how it's a driver-first sport but the driver is nothing without whatever vehicle is put underneath them in so many Mm -hmm. ways you can have the best driver in the world in a lemon and it's not going to work and that's what we saw lewis hamilton for the first time in his career did not get a a, the top step of the podium he did not win a race that's embarrassing for mercedes that's frustrating for mercedes and it's not something they're going to take laying down i think that we will see a mercedes resurgence here question is can they catch up? You know, they're yeah. a year behind and it'll be interesting to see. But I expect them to be a much more competitive team from the from the word go. I agree. Let's talk about Ferrari. Ferrari had a very... Uh, up and down season, obviously they came in with a lot of high expectations last season. Uh, Everyone sort of said coming out of testing, they looked like the fastest team. In many ways, they were the fastest team, but they very quickly found themselves in a fight they were not really capable of keeping up with. And Red Bull obviously ran a rough shot of them for the second half of the season. Ferrari made all kinds of just ridiculous mistakes. It became kind of a running trope on this show to sort of lead the show with, all right, what did Ferrari do this week? Uh, two really impressive and exciting young drivers, obviously Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz, and, and and a frustrating year for Leclerc who barely finished second in the in the drivers' championship after some Red Bull drama could have uh, could have really had Perez step up and and actually take number two away from him too. He and 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 Carlos will really hope I think that Ferrari has sorted a lot of their things out and they made a big change at the top, something you and I were begging
1: for them to do. Begging, but will it be enough? Now the only thing that makes me think, like we okay, we wanted Bonato out forever, forever. He was the wrong guy. Now they bring in Frederick Vassar, who was the ex-Saber, the Alpha Romeo, yeah, yeah. Romeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um. Now nah, he's very strict. He is a no-nonsense guy, which is kind of exactly what this team needs. He will not be okay with mistakes. He will not be okay with failure. You have arguably the best two young drivers on the field in Sainz and Leclerc. You cannot screw up many of their years with mistakes that they made last year. This is a big year for Ferrari to redeem a lot of those mistakes. Um, there's there, That's it. That is the storyline for Ferrari this year, is how many mistakes are they going to make? Because the, right now they they really can't afford to make one. Yeah, maybe, and we haven't maybe, even had a race yet.
0: They were beat. They were beat by Red Bull, but moreover, they were beat by themselves last year. They really yes. made it easier
1: for Red Bull than it should have been,
0: right? So yes. they, you're right. They have to. If they can eliminate that, then they have a title contention uh, chance. And and again, making it very clear, we're recording this one day into testing. Lots to discuss about yeah. testing later, but they look good. They they have come out where they left off, and that's important for Ferrari. Speaking of Red Bull, looking. Let's good. talk about yeah. the yeah. champions. They look good. <laughs> Uh, obviously we have a world champion in uh, a legitimate world champion in Max Verstappen, which is an important distinction to make between his first championship yes, and the is. second one and a legitimate constructors championship in Red Bull. Red Bull dominated last year. It, no questions about it. Adrian Newey designed a car that was superior to every other car with the new regulations. They, from, from race three on, they dominated, right? They had some minor power unit issues that they have sorted out. Uh, that they sorted out, I should say, last season, and, and since then it's been all Red Bull. It almost wasn't even it. It, re, it was reminiscent of Mercedes for eight years. It was a team that had absolutely no competitors on most of their best days. If they didn't make a mistake, nobody was beating them. And uh, and for the most part, they didn't make mistakes. Uh, they won more races than any team's ever won. Again, it helps when you have more races than uh, yes most each year seasons historically. But also Max Verstappen winning more races than any individual driver had ever won in a season, and he wins his championship. Rightfully so, rightful title, and he will go into this season defending both of those championships. Expectations for Red Bull: other than they are the team to beat,
1: the expectation they are the betting favorites to win both the drivers' championship and the constructors' championship. It, you cannot deny that Max Verstappen is the best driver in the world right now, even though it pains me to say it. He has the fastest car as well. That is a that is a very fear Like you should be feared of that combination. Now the one. The one storyline with Red Bull going into the season was the way it ended last year. Perez and Verstappen are no longer getting together. There is no longer that, okay, let's let Max Verstappen go win another championship or win his first championship, depending on how you want to look at it. Um, Perez was very forgiving for a lot of the things he had to do for Verstappen. Verstappen did not reciprocate that in the last two races of last year I do not believe that Perez is going to be as much a teammate as he was last year. That will be a storyline for Red Bull this year.
0: And they're not wasting any time giving some of that drama a little extra, you know, sort of kick in the pants at the start of the season here. We have Max Verstappen taking both sessions on Thursday and then the morning session on Friday. And then the last three sessions are all going to Sergio Perez. They're the only team that's going to do this split. And it's interesting because it, it, it really favors giving Perez the best track conditions by day Mm -hmm. three of testing. The track has been worked in. There's lots of rubber on it. The car has been tuned everything's all of the weird little bugs and kinks that come out when you first power up one of these cars and get it out on the track have been worked through they're going to be done with the aero rigs they're going to be pro- probably be mostly done with the high-vis paint they'll be moving on to race scenarios and all kinds of stuff it favors Perez to have those extra laps and it's interesting that they are giving it to him because it says something from that team that they really do want to get Perez going start of the season it also tells you Max Verstappen is clearly confident because he wouldn't have let this be the strategy maybe it was Punishment. If they weren't happy. And maybe it was. We don't know. We'll see. Uh, but I also I, I this is not my bold take for the year, but I'd like to point out there is a very good possibility that we could be looking at like a replay of 2015, which was known as the War of the Silver Arrows, where you had Nico Rosberg and Lewis Hamilton as teammates fighting for the championship against each other often to the detriment of the team Mm -hmm. because of the way those two egos clashed. And in that case, that is the only time Mercedes won a championship without it being Lewis Hamilton. That is the reason they have eight and he has seven because he was not the champion that year. Nico Rosberg was. It's his one and only championship. He then retired. Maybe because the stress of it was too much. (laughs) but, But Sergio Perez is a very proud guy who is not going to take his opportunity in the best car he will ever drive and not do what he can with it. But he is competing against the best driver in the world right now, and that is a difficult place to
1: be. Yes. yes, it is.
0: All right, that is our rundown of all of the teams. We'll take a breath here, a moment to regain our composure, step away for a quick ad break, and then we will jump back in with our last features for this season preview. Hey, I'm Sayer, and I love Marvel.
1: And I'm Kaylee, and I love someone who loves Marvel. <laughs>
0: And we're watching through the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, or MCU, in release order. There's another order. For Kaylee's first time.
1: And Sayers 85th.
0: (laughs) Wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find MCU... And me! Tyler, we are introducing a brand new segment this season. Uh, We have been previewing it on social media and we have been very uh, gratefully receiving questions from fans, from listeners. If you are out there and listening to the show right now, first, thank you. And secondly, if you want to submit a question for Tyler and myself to answer throughout the season, you can do so very easily by sending an email to pitstop at ordinarypodcasts.com or you can send us a direct message at our instagram page on our instagram page you can just dm us uh submit your questions it can be a question about formula one in general maybe it's a question about regulations maybe it's a question about specific things you've seen during a race or it can be about the season itself a driver question or an incident that happens or whatever we will do our best to answer the question if we don't know we will research it. We will find out some answers. We started this last year. We had a really fun question at the end of the year from a listener uh, about track design, right? So we spent some time doing a little bit of research. We gave you a little bit of an answer in that one. We have a great question here to lead off our season. But before we do that, we have to tell you what the segment is called. And we spent a long time with focus groups and 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 workshopping this, organizations and all kinds of. I'm 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 kidding. It really was like just three or four people sort of saying what should we call our our mailbag segment? We could That's a it focus mailbag. group. Okay. You're right. It was a small focus group. I want to give a shout out though, to the runner up for the name of this segment, because it was really a fun pun, but because we've already seen that the bouncing has gone away. We were going to call this segment. What's the porpoise and a shout out to Colin Morrison for his suggestion on that name, but we couldn't go with what's the porpoise. That's just too, it, it was, it was brutal
1: last year. would have yeah. been perfect.
0: Last year would have been good. It doesn't work anymore. It's a great pun, regardless. Uh, so shout out to that. But let's introduce our brand new segment. It's time for mail box box box. box. All right, so there it is, Tyler. We're gonna call this segment mail box box box. So it's a mailbox, but it's like a pit stop. So it's box box box.
1: I love the Are we way. Fans? You thumbs up for jokes. that or not? Ah, uh, big thumbs up. I don't okay, know anything okay. to describe it.
0: Well, you know, okay. You're right. It was, it's pretty self-explanatory. Our first question this season uh, comes from listener David. He is asking, do you think any of the midfield teams can close in on the top three this season? Now we haven't talked about your picks for this year or anything like that, but this is a good way to start that Tyler, I'll go to you first. Do you think any of the midfield teams can close in
1: on the top three this year?
0: And if so, who obviously
1: you, if anyone will listen to any episodes last year, you know, there's a team out there that I believe can be in the top three from the midfield. That is a team with a brand new driver in Pierre Gasly. We have Alpine. Look, And that's even my hot take. I'll I'll reiterate it at the hot take. Alpine will be in the top three constructors at the end of this year. Wow.
0: That's a big one. And that was definitely my my team that I was going to put in for this too. But I have a second one I'd like to suggest. So I agree with you. I think Alpine is positioned based on how well they perform. The big question is the most impressive driver for them last year is gone, right? We're going to need Ocon or Gasly to be as good as the wily old Fox in Fernando Alonso was because he drove the hell out of that car, right? He put that car in places it should never be. And then later in the season, he was putting that car as far as it could possibly go. And then they just were plugging up the road because they knew they couldn't get up any further. The big question is, can they get further now? And it'll be interesting Mm -hmm. to see, as you say, with Gasly and Ocon there. I love that pick. I'm going to go with a little bit more of a wild card one because I'm interested to see what it is. One team has made a more radical change to the entire concept of their their car. Most of these cars, to be honest with you, if you look at them, there's a direct correlation from what their design concept structure was last year. Side pods are pretty similar, or the tail and and, and front wing are pretty similar. One team, though, completely scrapped what they were doing last year and started almost from scratch. They basically copied the side pod structure and the bodywork of Red Bull. The front wing looks a lot like a Mercedes from last year. The tail looks a lot like a McLaren. And that's Aston Martin. And we actually saw some really good performance out of the Aston Martin last year, especially with Vettel driving it, obviously. Mm-hmm. And Vettel put that car in some very competitive places. The big wild card for me with this, and the reason I think Aston Martin might be a, a weird team that can really improve on last year and maybe even get themselves in the top three is Fernando Alonso. Because we know that guy drives a car beyond its potential every single year. He's mm-hmm. done it. He did it when he was at Renault. He, he did it last year at, at Alpine. If that car is even remotely competitive, he will push it to and past the, the edge. He just does that, right? The struggle in my pick of Aston Martin here is that the second driver is not very good, and that's Lance Stroll. But if 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 Lance can have the best year of his life, or let's just say this, maybe his wrists are no good, and somebody else who's better than yeah. him comes in and drives that car, I think it's a long shot that they get in the top three. I'll, I will admit that. But I do think that they finish in the top four or five i think they improved from where they were they were not be in the bottom four they will be in the top five at least i think they could be pushing for for p4 in the constructors and maybe even if somebody has a really bad year sneak into that top four three so i'm i'm very bullish on aston martin but i love the alpine right. pick too hopefully that answers your question david i don't think either of us are, are, are too convinced that the top three here aren't already heads and shoulders it's really tough. above it's going to be tough but i do think it's a good question and look you'll notice the team we didn't mention is the team that finished fourth last year. I think McLaren could take a step back. I
1: really do. We, I mean, we should start getting into some of our our picks for this year because there's a lot to say about McLaren.
0: All right, let's do it. So let's, we're going to do this. We're going to run through some predictions and we're going to use the awards that we handed out last year as our barometer. So we can use these when we get to the end of the season this year, we can compare them to the actual winners of these awards. So let's run through it. These were our categories. We had best rookie, best driver, best team, worst driver, worst team most improved driver, most improved team. And then obviously most disappointing driver and most disappointing team. That's different than worst. Cause sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, they're just what our expectations were. We're lower. We had best race, best, uh, pardon me, best race, worst race, best off track event. And then obviously we're going to talk about who we think is going to win each championship. So let's do it at the beginning here. This is more fun. Cause last year, Zhao was the only rookie. Ran yes. away with it. He was fantastic. Uh, rookie. The only one we had. best rookie is much more fun this year. Cause we have a few of them. Who are you taking, Tyler, for your best rookie of the year? And let me remind you, we're writing this down, so the <laughs> listeners and I can hold you accountable in nine months' time. Go ahead. Best so rookie rookies.
1: rookies this year, we got Oscar Piastri in the McLaren. Alpha, Alpha Tori has Nick DeVries, and Williams has Logan Sargent. Those are our rookies this year. Now yeah. we're not we're not counting Hulkenberg, who's going, who's already raised. That seasons. doesn't count. He's That's not a good. rookie. Um, it's tough. It's between. DeVries and Piastri for me Piastri's in the better car so he has a chance to finish higher in the standings I think Nick DeVries is a more impressive um rookie I think he consistently outperforms Yuki Tsunoda to the point where Yuki Tsunoda is gone at the end of this year um but I think Oscar Piastri because of his car potential finishes higher in the point standings but I believe that DeVries will be a more impressive rookie
0: all right. I like that. The I'm going to go off the board here, though. Neither of the two guys you took. I actually think Logan Sargent is going to surprise a lot of people. I think this guy has a lot to prove. I think that he's going to outperform his teammate at Williams. And I think he will be the most impressive rookie. I also think of all three of those drivers, I think he has the, the least DNFs. That's what I'll say. I think he okay. keeps his car on the road. I think Williams also. I think they will have improved a little bit of their their reliability issues as a team yeah. overall. No, I'm not expecting him to win a race. I'm not expecting no. him to be in the, co- co- but I think he'll collect some points for Williams. I think he's going to help Williams climb out of the bottom spot, which is important for them. I, I don't think Williams will finish at the bottom. That's a different conversation, but I do think Sargent is going to be very impressive and I will take Sargent.
1: And I think to your point that that's huge because the guy they got rid of that is replacing was responsible for most of their DNFs last year.
0: Big, big point. All right. Best, uh, best driver have There's not, not much to
1: say it's that Dutch kid in the Red Bull.
0: All right, so you're going to take Verstappen. I'm going to, I'm going to throw a wild card here. Even though I don't think the driver I'm going to say is my best driver is going to win the championship, and I do think it's okay to have a differential there because I would argue, even though Max won last year, I don't think he was the best driver. I think he was in the best car. I think he drove very well in most races. It wasn't even close. But that doesn't mean he was the most driver, best driver. That doesn't mean he competed the most. Didn't mean he made the most overtakes. Didn't mean he had to win the most positions for himself. I think the best driver this year is George Russell. I think George Russell is going to have an absolutely insane year. He is going to help Mercedes jump back. I think he's going to outperform his teammate. And I think he gets more than three or four wins.
1: That is, I mean, we're not even in the bold predictions, and yeah. I disagree yeah. I wholeheartedly so with everything you've just on said on George
0: Russell. I think George Russell is about to plant his flag as the next guy. He is about to say to Max Verstappen, "Forget about that Charles kid; he's a nobody. Forget about that that Signs kid; he's a nobody. I'm the guy you got to worry about. I'm the guy who's coming for what you got. That's what I'm saying like about it. George Russell. I, hope I it am happens. so hot on George Russell. And when George Russell drove for Williams, I could not stand the kid. <laughs> growing on me. He's growing on me. George Russell's my best driver. It's funny. Best what
1: happens when they start team. sitting in your seat? Don't they? you're right.
0: You're right. <laughs> best team.
1: Best team will be uh, Mercedes. I believe Mercedes will come back to best team. Wow.
0: I like this take. I
1: actually, you're going to think this
0: is insane. I think Red Bull is still the better team. I think uh-huh. Red Bull as a team is going to have the most consistent and the fastest car in a lot of those races. But I think because of what I already said earlier, I think they got two drivers who are going to compete for a lot more of those things. I think Perez is going to make this a real headache for, for his teammate, either off track or on track. But I still yeah. think Red Bull's the best team. Um, and I admittedly, I did some homework this season. I spent the off-season reading Adrian Yuey's book. I'm fascinated by the design of these cars. Adrian Newey, arguably one of the greatest designers in the history of the sport. Him, Braun, a couple of other guys, obviously. But reading that book about the origins of Red Bull and moreover, the design concept, I think when he finds something that works, it works for a few years. Because right. Adrian Newey is that level good. And last yeah. year, arguably one of the best cars we've seen in a decade. And I think he's going to have just tweaked it. Not done a lot, but tweaked mm-hmm. it to make it a little bit better. Red Bull's my best team. Worst driver, Tyler, who you got? I can't believe you're choosing Red Bull as your,
1: your best team. Uh, worst driver, Yuki Sonoda. I think it's his last year in F1. I think he's his temperament, his behavior, um, his decisions on the track do not, will not, and won't um, continue his career in F1.
0: We're completely aligned on this one. Yuki Tsunoda yeah. is done. The one and done. This is his final year. I don't think he has a very good year. I think he has more DNFs, and not because of technical problems. I think this guy puts his car into a lot of bad situations, and we've only seen that from him. I don't see him taking a step forward. So I think he's the worst driver. No
1: and i think he's he frustrated rookies with out there. nick DeVries. yeah i, I think, think we have frustrated. rookies out
0: there who are going to outperform and that ain't not that's not a good look yeah. and also and DeV- here's the thing i'm going to put even an, an additional this is not from our predictions here but i'm going to say it anyway i think i even know who's replacing yuki Tsunoda because i think we we all know who's replacing him he was supposed to be there in the first place and that's herder i think herder will be driving for alpha Tori yeah. this time next year and i yeah, think the writings on
1: he's, writings on the wall for yuki he has to have a big season in order to keep the spot. Yeah. And Colton it just, heard of the American, the will have would. that seat. Yeah. Yuki will make it easy for them to give it to him. Is what yes. I'm saying. Worst team. Um, worst team. Man, I did this last year, and the first like year? I had Alpha Romeo last year, and the first seven races, I looked like a complete idiot because Bottas was outperforming yeah, they, that car. They did do well. Um, I, I just, I, I don't know. I think Alpha Romeo and Haas. It's between Alpha Romeo and Haas. You know what? Alfa Romeo made me look like a fool last year. Haas is the worst team this year. All
0: right, we're in agreement on both of those. So look, we may not know anything about who's the best, but we definitely agree on who's the worst. <laughs> we know who's so, the worst. Uh, worst team is Haas across the board. I think that they finish at the bottom. From what I've seen in testing, they just look like they can't get their stuff together. I think it might be, we are getting near the end of the Haas experiment, and it might be time for Haas to accept that this is not going to work. I think Gene Haas is not going to continue to fund a team that is this bad, Uh, and I think that it's very likely that this is the spot where we see an Andretti Corvette team, or pardon me, uh, not Corvette, what's the Cadillac team take over. Their spot as opposed to becoming the 11th team. I think they might just take this spot
1: in a few years because I I would become a fan of Cadillac very quickly.
0: Most improved
1: driver. Okay. So this is who I got as most improved driver this year, and that is Lewis Hamilton. We're in agreement on this. Lewis Hamilton competes for the championship this year. I can't say I think he will win but it will be between Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen coming down to the last five races. And I think, I hope, I hope Lewis Hamilton pulls it off. I'd love to see a comeback story. Um, But I do think Verstappen is a very, very good driver. I said, he's the best, not a few moments ago. Um, But I think Lewis Hamilton is the most improved, which is tough to say because he's the greatest of all time. And we're giving him the most improved this season.
0: But, when he fell last year, he fell a long way. Yes, he did. And so it's very, op. The, and, and and I will also point out in our la- in our end of season awards, we had a consensus that Lewis Hamilton was the most disappointed driver. So yeah. we've set him up for the improvement position. You know what I mean? He has yes. somewhere to come from most improved team.
1: Most improved team. I'm going to give to Alpine only because I, if I believe if I have to, and I want to believe they get into a top three spot, I don't know who they're going to take it away from. Like I've, Right now, in the last fifteen minutes, I've given them a top three spot. I cannot tell you who is going to be dropped out of that top three because it's just got to be one team that falters and has a lot of problems. Um, So I don't know who it's going to be, but looks like it might be Ferrari. But uh, I think that Alpine, if they can get into the top three, then they are the most. They will be the most improved team.
0: I think it's Mercedes because I think that Mercedes has the longest to go in terms of what those top three teams were like. Yeah, they finished top three. Were they really the top three? No, it's just the 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 gap between them and everybody else was 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 small. They were horrible yeah. last year. That car was atrocious. Yes, they can improve on that car. They're already improved. They will be competing for the championship. That's an improvement, and that's right. a huge improvement. So I'm going to give it to Mercedes, based on my criteria. Most disappointing driver.
1: Most disappointing driver. Is I is believe different than is...
0: worst. That's yes, the
1: thing. I think most important. I think the hype is a little bit to do with this driver. I I think the situation is a bit to do with this driver. And I think it's going to be Nico Hulkenberg. I don't think he's going to live up to the expectations, which are kind of low already, but Haas wants to do well. That's why they're bringing in. That's why they brought Magnussen back. That's why they're bringing Hulkenberg in veterans that know how to race. I don't believe that Hulkenberg is going to perform as expected for what they believe he can bring in.
0: All right. I'm going to go with one of our rookies. I think, I think it's Oscar Piastri. I think oh. that this kid has been built up so high uh, again in that expectation place because everybody wanted him. Everybody thought he was the next big thing. I don't think the McLaren's very good. And I think that he's going to struggle in that car. And I think it's going to reflect more on him than it really should, because I think it's the car,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: against Norris, he's not ready. He's not going to be what Norris is right now. Cause Norris is just a few years ahead of him. It's reality. And I think that he's of all the rookies he's been put in the best the, the, the furthest up car we'll call it the most prestigious yeah. car so the stakes are a lot higher for him than DeVries sure. or than Sargent who are competing in you know bottom table cars so the expectations are higher and I don't think he's ready for it and I think that it'll be a disappointing year for for Oscar Piastri okay uh, all right these are the fun ones because they're a little bit more off the, the board here what do you think your best race of the season is
1: um Best race of the season. Also, missed. we missed a most disappointing team, which we could go back to. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes, um, you're right. Uh, I think that you kind of have something on the head there with McLaren because they are expected to be top, like, a 4-5 or five team. They could fall if that car hasn't been fixed. The, I love the driver lineup there, um, but they do – you're not wrong. They do have a rookie, and Lando Norris has – this is really a breakout season. He has to at least win a race this year, and if they don't, it's going to be a very disappointing season for McLaren.
0: That's good. I went with Alfa Romeo. So I think that Alfa Romeo is going to have a really, really bad year. And I think that they, I don't know. It's a tr- tr- difficult one because are the stakes really higher? Are the expectations higher? Maybe not. Yeah. But I think that they're going to drop even more for there. I think they might be competing to stay out of the bottom. Yeah. And that's a rough yeah. place for them to, to be. Uh, all right. Sorry. Yes. You're right. We missed that. Let's jump to best race now. Best race.
1: I think it's either. I mean, always, I'm a huge fan of Monza. So I look forward to that every year. Um, I think we had some great races last year. I think Monza. And if I had to have a competing race with that, it'd be Brazil. All
0: right. So which one you want to take? I'll take Monza. All always. Right, Monza. Always good. All right. Here's the thing. For me, it's about the definition. What do we want to call our best race? Is it about the best on track? Is it about the most exciting weekend? Is it about all of the different pieces that go into it. You know what I mean? Last year we went with Brazil because we had an incredibly competitive race. We had awesome overtaking as we always do in Brazil, as you pointed out with Mm -hmm. saying it was your number two, a great track for overtaking, which leads to high incident racing, which we always love. We want a race like that. I think our runner up last year was, was Silverstone, which again, another track that leads to a lot of great overtake and a lot of competitive opportunities. I like both of those. Yeah. But I think there is one date already circled on this calendar that like, if F1 screws this up, it's over. It's over. They're done. They can't. They will not recover from screwing up Las Vegas. <laughs> I, 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 the stakes are so high. The expectations are so high. And here's the best part. They have put themselves in a position where this could not only be the deciding race of the season because it's the penultimate race. We could have a champion crown. We could have constructor yeah. crown. Like They are really banking on this working. And I think it might. I really think that this might work.
1: I was going to choose it as my with
0: Las Vegas.
1: I was going to choose it as my worst race because of everything you just said. Because Miami was hyped up huge and obviously you could choose Monaco as the worst race because there's not much overtaking and we kind of know who's going to win based off of um, qualifying. Qualifying, But Miami was brutal last year. I don't think Miami's going to get better. (laughs) And I'm very worried that Vegas is going to Kind of double down on that.
0: I make the argument that they've learned from Miami.
1: They know what right. didn't
0: work in Miami. And I think that they will have put a little bit better effort into Las Vegas. The other thing is Las Vegas. There's a lot of shiny objects. There's a lot of distraction. And it's going to be easier for them to hide the imperfections of this race than it was in Miami, which was awful.
1: 100%. They could. They and could I go I think it would be just as awful. This they year. could go either way.
0: All right, I'm gonna go, so you've already given me your worst race, which you think is Vegas, which I think is great that we've we've this is gonna be fun to see how this plays out. My worst race, and this is a weird one because I'm going off the board. I think it's the Red Bull ring. I right. think it's when we go there because it's a short track and it's always boring. And it's yeah. a track that's just like it's just it, I could yeah. live without it, you know what I mean? I could live without yep. it. Uh, but I also think Miami is gonna be an absolute, <laughs> absolute fire yeah it's really bad they have to fix but i don't that. think i can go can you go with the same bad race back to no. back maybe maybe we can we'll no. see at the end of the year uh this is a weird one because it's hard to know what any of these things are going to be but i'm going to get you to play like the crystal ball game for a second and imagine the weirdest scenario that could play out here what's the best off-track event you think could happen this year Last year, the winner for this was obviously the whole Alonso leaving Oscar Piastri Twitter meltdown scenario and all of the sort of drama we got during Silly Season. We weren't racing, and yet we had all of this excitement. What do you think this
1: year? I think it is a off-track physical fight between Perez and Verstappen.
0: Wow. Okay. The, the, the final divorce of Red Bull.
1: Yeah, I think that's the – and then I think Perez finds a different home where he's happy, and obviously Red Bull's going to keep their golden boy.
0: I like it. Mine is also Red Bull related, but it's more just cynical. I think Red Bull's over the cap again.
1: Oh, you think they're going to – okay. Yeah. I think
0: halfway through next season we find out that they they cheated a second time, that they didn't uh, quite dot all those T's and cross all those I's and that they'd already uh, overspent last season to win too. And, uh, and then it becomes a real question because it's like, well, last year's punishment clearly didn't work. Well, last year's punishment came so late in the season that they'd probably already overspent by that point. Yeah. And the whole system's broken.
1: That's, so you're probably not wrong about that. Like that's a very easy one to almost predict because it's, you can kind of see it happening as it fell, fell apart last year.
0: Okay. These are the two that matter because they're the only two that actually we don't get to decide. We don't get to, vote yeah. on. we won't have our debates about. Who wins the constructors and the drivers championship? Let's start with the constructors, because I think it's more fun.
1: Who? I think Mercedes. I think Mercedes wins constructors because of the return of their car with the two drivers uh, linked up. I think that's a a good combination for Mercedes, and I think they come back to the top of the constructors. All
0: right. Uh, I think it's Red Bull. I think Red Bull wins because I I don't agree with you. I think Red Bull will have sorted their shit out between those two drivers. I just think that they that they will have tidied it up. They will have had their conversations. They will have dealt with what they have. They probably have had some stuff on paper here that's so a little bit more organized because I think it caught them with their pants down last year and they did not like how that played out. Yeah. And I think that they have the best car in so many ways that they will have two competing drivers. But I think because they have two competing drivers, I think it's possible that Max has some of the potential points that he would need to win shaved away by his own teammate. The way we have previously seen Lewis have teammates shave some points off of yeah. what his wins would be. So I'm going to go with red bull. I still think they're the best. I think, I still think it's the best car as of today. So I'm going to go with red bull. Who do you have winning the driver's championship? Uh, I think first stop it wins again.
1: And okay, I hate so you have a split.
0: Pit. You have a, you have a constructor driver split. I like yes, it so because I think Hamilton,
1: staff. I think Hamilton makes a run. At the drivers' championship, and I think for a lot, we'll be like, "Hey, he's gonna win, he's gonna win." But I just think, I think for pulls off one more. Oh, I hate to even say it, but like he's just without seeing anything else so far, it's hard not to pick him. I think that's fair. I think that that's that's a that's a good pick. I'm gonna just because it's fun.
0: <laughs> I'll flip it. I got Red Bull winning the constructors, and I think Lewis
1: Hamilton wins his eighth. I so, see. I would love that. I would love I think he wins life.
0: it in Vegas, the best race of the year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, what I do think he wins it by free? a hair.
0: I think it's very tight all the way through. And I think that it's a three-way fight for part of the season. I think that Charles is in there. I think that we have drivers from three different teams competing. I also think Russell is in there. I'm yeah. not sure about Paris, but it's possible. Like I would like, that's what I would like. I would like this to not be clear cut one, two guys, four races in. I want this to be a mess until august you know what i mean and then have two guys start to pull away that's what i would love if if i had control if i was the f1 czar that's how i would draw it up you know what i mean if it was scripted like the nfl right
1: yeah if it was scripted like the nfl then yeah that's probably what it would be so none of this is scripted and some things we will never know and just fun what would be your boldest preseason predictions your hot take for this year
0: okay this counters to what I just said, though.
1: <laughs>
0: is that allowed? Can I do that? Yeah, it's a hot take. I think George Russell has a chance to win the championship. And I think that he is, I, fi- I think he finishes number two. Okay.
1: I, think I, George I, that Russell is a, I mean, that's a hot take. That's a bold take over. because you're, you're taking it away from the king.
0: Well, or Lewis wins and George is two and Red Bull falls apart. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs>
1: yeah, either way, you think he's two.
0: I think that I think George Russell, I think this is George Russell's breakout season because he was so good last year. He was on podiums for like the first six races, just mm. sitting there waiting for one of the Ferraris or Red Bulls to fall like, apart. 11, just,
1: re- 11 yeah. races in a row. He was top five.
0: Yeah. I think he's really good. And I think that he has an opportunity to take that next step forward. I think it's George Russell's breakout season.
1: Wow. I mean, that's. But he's a bold not take. the
0: champion. He's not the champion.
1: Right. That's a, that's a bull take. So my bull take we turned earlier is Alpine top three. Um, That means that either Mercedes Ferrari or Red Bull have to suffer. Um, I don't know which one it'll be, but I think Alpine has a chance to take the top three. I would love to see them do it. I think Pierre Gasly is a force. I think he's coming into this car the same way he went back into Alpha Tori. That's with vengeance. That's with um, no fear, driving the car um, and just trusting his instincts and doing what he needs to do to win um i think five teams win a race this year um so the ferrari obviously mercedes and red bull i think norris wins his first race and then i think someone from alpine wins a race
0: i like all of that i'm a big fan of that so i'll give you my second one too and it involves norris i'm going to do this on behalf of braden who's gone not only do i think lando norris wins a race i think he wins three three races i think lando norris is the spoiler in a couple of these things like i think i think if he can get the mclaren to work he might win three races
1: i'll put him on the podium three times i don't think he should win three races right, that like is hard to do times.
0: i like the podium three times but i i it's a bold take you gotta have it's a bold a, take
1: that, that's a bold take of a bold take
0: yeah yeah, yeah. He, he wins three this is it's it's on behalf of Braden.
1: yeah okay because that's the kind of take <laughs> he would make <laughs> he would love it um, the only th- other thing I have hot take wise is I've already talked about it, is DeVries outperforms Sonata. Um, and I think also talked about, I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think that's,
0: I don't think that's, a yeah. Mistake.
1: And I don't think Perez backs down from Verstappen this year. I think he takes, I think he ignores some radio calls and, and takes a, a lot more wins from Verstappen this year. I like all of that.
0: All right. Um, let's talk about our first race. We let's basically previewed the season. We have a race next weekend. Um, tell us about it, Tyler. What are we? Gonna, so here's what we're gonna do this season. Every time we talk about one of these races, you're gonna come in with some some info for us, some stats, some statistics, or maybe just some like info from the previous year. Where at Bahrain? What do I need to know about
1: Bahrain? Bahrain. First Grand Prix was 2004. This track was specifically built for F1. They broke ground in December 2002. This race is going to consist of 57 laps, just like it did last year and the year before. Uh, There's two DRS detection zones, DRS on the straight starting slash finish line and DRS between turns three and four. Um, Turn one and two led to a leads to a bunch of great overtake opportunities, which are extremely exciting come turn four, because you can take that position back right away following that second DRS zone. Um, Wind plays a major, major factor in this race, as well as the fluctuations in temperature. You'll find that happening more when you're setting up the car. Um, It's going to be tough for these teams to find a, um, a decent setup because of the temperature changes between each session. The hardest turns in this race are number 10's left-hander. You saw it as early as today. There was was rookies spinning out, and there was veterans spinning out, or at least going wide off track on this turn 10. It is a tough, the hardest turn in this race. But it comes with that fast run through uh, turn 12. A lot of overtakes um, are going to happen at more so in the front half of this race rather than the last half, which is where they're going to be storing their battery potential. Now, last year on the podium, we had Charles Leclerc winning this race, followed by Carlos Sainz and Lewis Hamilton. George Russell was P4. Kevin Magnussen was P5 in this. Now, that's huge coming out of the gate for Haas. That kind of set the tone for what we thought was going to be a big year for Haas. Now, the excitement in this race was Leclerc versus Verstappen. The podium doesn't really read how this race went. Leclerc and Verstappen were at each other's throats pretty much the entire race lap 17 Verstappen finally passed him in turn 1 2 Leclerc overtook turn 4 next lap same thing Max passes him Leclerc takes it back on turn 4 happened 3 times in a row until Max went into and um locked up his turn locked up his tire wasn't able to get that spot back lap 46 was our first DNFs it was uh, Gasly had a power failure engine overheated caught fire Lap 54. Now, this was the excitement. If you do remember this race, I'm trying to get through this as quickly as possible for <laughs> you guys. Um, it was racing order Leclerc, Verstappen, Sainz, Sainz, Perez. And it was exciting. Verstappen started complaining about on the radio about his car. Didn't know what was going on. They couldn't figure out what was going on. Finally, they brought him in the pit, engine failure, shut him down. Lap 54, 57. Lap 57 of 57. Perez goes into a corner, loses a bit of control spins was unable to start the engine again that is why we had a, a ferrari top two followed by lewis Hamilton and russell after that it was a great race and it was a great start to the year the only dnfs were surprisingly perez verstappen and then uh, gasly this is is a great race to start the year every year
0: and obviously uh because we only have one round of testing this year and it's at this track The drivers will be settled in. They'll know what this track feels and looks like. They'll have had an extra three days, 24 hours overall to be out on this track ahead of the regular practice sessions out there. So we should expect them to be very comfortable, which I think is a smart thing that F1 has done to set them up for the start of the year. They're not going into a circuit that they're not familiar with. They are very familiar, and it sets us up for a great start to the year. Final thoughts, Tyler, before we wrap up our season preview.
1: I'm excited. It's here. It's finally here. I think everyone's excited. I think hopefully they're listening to this and they get even more excited. Um, Let's just go racing. That's
0: right. And we will do that in a week's time at Bahrain. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. As always, follow us on Instagram. You can submit your questions for mail, box, box, box by sending us an email at pitstop at ordinarypodcasts.com. You can also find out more about this show and all the other shows on our network at ordinarypodcasts.com. And if you enjoy what you were listening, please tell your friends about it. Share the link to this show. We want to get the word out across Canada, across North America, and across the world that that, you know, we're just two guys, but we love this sport and we want to talk about it with all of you. We appreciate your listenership. We appreciate your support. And we will be back on the Tuesday following the Bahrain Grand Prix. That was Pitstop. Pitstop Podcast is a presentation of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. Thanks for listening. The Ordinary Podcasting Network wishes to acknowledge that the lands on which our conversations take place include... Treaty 6
1: territory, the traditional meeting ground and home for many Indigenous peoples, including the Cree, Dene, Soto, Blackfoot, Métis, and the Nakota Sioux peoples, as well as the unceded territories of the Coast Salish peoples, including the territories of the
0: Musqueam, Squamish, and tsleil nations.
1: We acknowledge the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whose footsteps have
0: marked